Hello and welcome to the Movilla Midweek Podcast. It's lovely to have you with us as we take this half hour uh, to worship God, to recognise afresh His promises uh, and to seek Him in all that we do. Um, over these next number of weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of Isaiah uh, as we've started a new series in our evening, looking uh, at uh, uh, the way God used the prophet Isaiah. As we begin, let me read these words from Psalm 139. A Psalm of David, which tells us, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down, and you are familiar with all of my ways. We come to worship God, to recognise the one who is familiar with every situation happening in our lives, the one who understands when we feel anxious, the one who feels, who recognises what we feel and looks to journey with us throughout. He is familiar with all of our ways. With this in mind, let us come to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you truly are the God who understands and knows us. The one Lord who we can bring all things before you and you hear our cry. You understand the things happening in our lives. And we ask, Lord, that you may continue to help and uh, understand and help us in what we do that we may understand your ways more, that we may look to seek you in all that we do. For Lord, you show us who we really are. You show us, Lord, what it means to depend on you. Lord, we come before you in these days, recognising that without you we are nothing. So we pray that you may help us guide and direct us in all that we may face. Lord, we ask these things now in the gracious and loving name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to listen to our first item of praise entitled 10,000 Reasons. Yes. 
your Bibles, you turn to Isaiah chapter 1, and we'll read verses 1 to 15. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 1 to 15. This is God's Word. The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah son of Amos saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his, ma- the ox knows his master, the donkey his owner's ma- manger. But Israel does not know, my people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people loaded with guilt, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. Why should you be beaten any more? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured, your whole heart afflicted. For the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness. Only wounds and bruises and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with oil. Your country is desolate, your cities burned with fire, your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you, laid waste as when overthrown by strangers. The daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a hut in a field of melons like a city under siege. Unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors, we would have become like Sodom, we would have been like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the law, our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths and convocations. I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new new moon festivals and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Amen. And here ends 
reading of God's word. Well, please turn with me in our scripture reading in Isaiah chapter 1 as we begin this series looking at this colossal book of Isaiah. And please do not worry, we're not going to be going from now to three years' time before we get to the end of the book, verse by verse, but we're going to be looking, dipping in to this book to see what God has to say to us. As you turn up to the passage, let us come to him in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we recognize that you are a God who looks to show us your ways so that we may trust not in what we think is best, what we uh, want to happen, but Lord, we may look to trust in your ways. Do you understand the joy it is uh, to follow in you, to have that joy of your glory and power in all that we may do? Lord, we thank you this evening uh, for those, Lord, who have taught us your ways in the past and who continue to do that. We thank you, Lord, for raising leaders that show us, Lord, who you are. And so we pray as we begin this book of Isaiah this evening that we have that joy of being uh, aware of your ways and following them. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. The book of Isaiah, where do you start? Well, chapter 1, verse 1, possibly, but there is so much to take in from it. And tonight, what I'm going to do is just speak a little bit about the background of where Isaiah was in his ministry, but also giving us a picture of what it means to look at the, the picture of prophecy and what Isaiah was doing. If there is a key verse in the whole book of Isaiah, it is found in chapter 7, verse 9. So just turn that up, because I think it would be good for us to keep coming back to this. Chapter 7 and verse 9. And just in the last part of that verse, it says, If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. As we think about the message that Isaiah, uh, that God gave Isaiah to bring to the people at the time, it was looking to create that faith so that they would be able to stand through all that they may face. And I'm sure as Wallace was reading those opening verses, you see the state of God's people and they're not in a good place. Horror films are not my genre. I do not like watching horror films, but there's a lot of uh, pictures here where we see God's people in a place of horror, of distress. And if we ask that question, first of all, what is prophecy? Isaiah was a prophet sent by God to direct the people. In John chapter 13, verse 19, Jesus says these words to his followers. He says, I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. Isaiah was telling God's people God's plan. 
what was going to happen. Even as we know this book well, we look to uh, the chapter uh, 53, uh, 52 and 53 of the suffering servant. We see chapter 60 where it talks about the book of our, the picture of Zion as well and all these things that God was doing. But here and now, God's people were in distress. They were in a bad way. When we see prophecy fulfilled, it strengthens our faith. When we do not see prophecy fulfilled, it it stimulates action also for the future. So many in this day did not see the Messiah come. They did not see the fulfillment of these prophecies at times. But it stimulated them to have faith in a God who was going to do these things. So when we're thinking through this book, when we're thinking about this message that God brought through Isaiah, we ask three questions. What did it mean to God's people then? What difference does it make that Christ has come now? And what has yet to be fulfilled also? The heading of the book uh, dates Isaiah's uh, ministry to the reigns of four kings of Judah, Uzziah, uh, Joachim, Isaiah, and Hezekiah. A period spanning about over a hundred years, from uh, 790s to 680s BC. The historical detail can be found both in the book of Kings and Chronicles which helpfully explains the background to Isaiah's work. After his calling in 740 BC, the year that Isaiah died, we see that in chapter 6, Isaiah's early ministry focused on the hidden, unknowledged sins of Judah at the end of the long reign of peace, prosperity, and security. For the last eight years, uh, he was a leper, and his son Joachim ruled as a regent, and after which he succeeded his father for a fuller eight years. Most of Isaiah's ministry was exercised in the two contrasting reigns. Isaiah, who walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, and even sacrificed his son in the fire, following the detestable ways of the nations. For 16 years, this king reigned. And then Hezekiah after him, who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done for 29 years. Both Isaiah and Hezekiah feature in historical events of the first half of Isaiah's book. Isaiah's own ministry may well have spanned 50 years of those 100 years. Hezekiah's death uh, then is dated towards the end of this ministry also. Isaiah's primary concern was, of course, with the southern kingdom of Judah and its capital, Jerusalem. If you were to look in chapter 39, verse 6, it makes clear immediately after that account that it was not the Syrians, but equally a terrifying conqueror was waiting in the wings. Uh, that God's people uh, were facing uh, other, uh, other countries coming in to, to take over. What is Isaiah's purpose as we read the, this opening chapter? Isaiah's purpose here 
is to show the state of where God's people are at. And the question that burns more and more is how do the faithless become faithful? God inspired the prophet to see and to speak the future realities of his plans and purpose, whether for his covenant community or for the whole human race and cosmos that he created. At the same time, it is important to remind ourselves that prophets also look back to what the Lord had already revealed in the law. They are sent as mediators from God to explain the perished, uh, perilous situation of the covenant people in their unfaithfulness and rebellion and to summon them to repent and renew their trust. But Isaiah here is doing something more in these opening chapters. He is showing them how God sees them, but how God has not left them. Here, the prophet speaks from God to his covenant people to inform them of what God is going to do, whether in the immediate or more distant future, to call them to amend of their life in the present. God yearns jealously over his people and loves them so steadfastly that he cannot allow them to sin with, uh, and rebel and get away with it. Two things that we continue to see in God's word. The big picture of the Bible is that God is preaching himself to us. That everything the unchanging Lord reveals of his nature and character in the Old Testament is still true for us today. But secondly, as we know so well in the Bible, human nature does not change. We can only too easily see ourselves reflected in the deceitful hearts of the people of Judah and learn from their mistakes of how our own divided hearts may equally lead us astray. Judah had always been a small nation forced to depend on the Lord for security. She was always strongest when she was most dependent on the Lord. But with the people of the land increasingly exploited by the rich elite and the rulers consumed with greed and self-seeking, in both the religious and political light of the community, the challenge uh, was uh, to, to take away from the other nations who would dominate them. What will Judah and the people of the covenant ultimately put their trust in? Where will they look for help? On what will they base their own confidence? That's the choice that they have. A stark one. Will Judah follow the ways of the nations all around her, trusting in other rulers and alliances, relying on her own political wisdom and shrewd policies to preserve her status and security? Will the choice has come, will they trust on themselves or will they trust in the Lord? These opening chapters in the book of Isaiah are an overture to the book where the major themes are introduced with special reference uh, to the uh, situation of Judah. Introducing the theme in the book 
in the opening chapters, it poses this dilemma, which is how the faithfulness, the sinful city of Jerusalem, symbolizes the people of God, is to be transformed into the faithful city which the righteous dwell. How can men and women who are sinners by nature be transformed into the faithful, obedient people of the loving, powerful Lord, the mighty one of Israel? If you look a little further forward in chapter, in chapter 1, in verse 26 that I have up there, it says what the Lord will do. I will restore your judges in the days of old, your counselors as at the beginning, and afterwards you will be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. God shows them who they are themselves, but he also shows them what he can do. The charges of verses 2 and 3 are serious. The Lord's dismay as he sees his children rebel against him. This unnatural rebel is a sad contrast uh, to how far God's people have fallen. But it is used uh, to show them how they need to trust again in the Lord. And note the effect on the land also in verses 7 and 9. This picture of a country that is desolate, cities that are burnt with fire, that the, the, the crops in the field are gone. And the most galling reference then also to Sodom and Gomorrah that was destroyed by the direct, uh, directly from heaven for their gross evil. God makes clear the need to turn back to him. Here we see that picture of a, a, a people who were once following God, yet turned away from him. A city that was known as God's people, now were trusting in their own devices instead. And as we look to our own world at this time, even our own country, how much are we in need of godly leadership? Not in leadership that seeks to find a sense of what we need to do to get out of our own situation, but a leadership that we know is sent from God, a leadership that shows us God's glory and power through all that we may face. This morning uh, in Ballygrainy, we were looking at Isaiah chapter 6 of God's calling to Isaiah when he's commissioned by him. And in that passage, we see that picture of God sending Isaiah out to bring this message to this faithless people. And he asked the question uh, to them. He says, here I am, send me. And God is sending him to people that will be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. And then as I ask the question, how long am I to do this? And the answer is given, until the cities lie in ruin, without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravished, until the Lord has sent everyone far away from the land, utterly forsaken. It's not 
uh, a sense of going into a place to find revival, to find a sense uh, of uh, praise and glory. It's a sense of destruction and despair. Yet God is present. God's message is for those people. The picture here is of a sense of godly leadership in the place of destruction. For all hope is not lost. At the end of that chapter, it gives that picture of hope in which it says, leave the stumps when they are cut down so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. God has not finished. God continues to bring his purposes to the fore. I think many of us, including myself, would look at despair with the state our country's in, with the state of our leadership at times, but we recognize that God has not left us and forsaken us. That as we look to the promises of Jesus, we recognize the one who reigns on high this day, the one who conquered death and lives, the one who we depend on throughout. And maybe the practice as we go through this book is to continue to pray for God to raise up leaders in our land, to raise up people who can continue to show his power and glory throughout. That was Isaiah's job through this time. Isaiah looked to continue to proclaim God's message so that those uh, who are faithful would stand. Those who would continue uh, to, to know of God's ways would continue uh, to stand in their faith, knowing God's power and glory in all that they do. It's my prayer that through uh, this series as we go through it, we have that sense of God continuing to build us up in our faith, to stand strong, and to be able to look out into this world and to recognize God's purposes and his plan uh, for us. Let's come to God in prayer now. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this day as we look uh, to your purposes, to your plans. Help us recognize this picture uh, of Isaiah the prophet coming uh, to a people uh, who have turned their backs on you and help us see your purposes at play. Help us to recognize that destination for all, Lord, who turn away from you. Help us to see the truthfulness of your judgment, but also help us to see that hope that we have in the Lord Jesus. Help us to see that there is a place to stand and to trust in you in all that we may do. Help us to see your glory and power through our lives. And Lord, we ask these things now in the gracious and loving name of Jesus. Amen.
is my Redeemer. There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ.
that last item of praise, yet not I, but through Christ in me. As we come to the end of our podcast, let's take this time now in God and prayer for others. Heavenly Father, we come before you in these days of great need. Lord, recognising a world and a society, Lord, that uh, looks uh, to have many people who are in need, many uh, that are unsure about what way to go, many who are frustrated and confused. And so we look to you. We ask, Lord, that you may speak into our lives, that you may guide and direct us in all that we may do. Lord, be with those who feel broken. Be with those, Lord, who are unsure of what way uh, to go. And we ask, Lord, that they may know of you, the gracious and loving God, looking to direct and guide them in all that they may do. That they may look to enjoy you, that they may seek and follow you through all things. Lord, we come before you in these days, knowing, Lord, that we are lost without you. And Lord, we bring before you those uh, who deal with great uncertainty in their lives, who are worried about what one day will bring to the next. And Lord, we ask for your peace and your goodness. Lord, we ask that you may search our hearts, take away all things that are not of you, and help us to trust in you in every way, to seek your ways and to enjoy you throughout all that we may do. Lord, we lift up before you those, uh, Lord, who mourn the loss of loved ones in these days, who are uncertain, Lord, about what one day will bring to the next. And we ask, Lord, for your goodness and your love to them, that they may look to you as their guide and their comfort in days of trouble. Lord, we bring all these things before you, recognising there is no greater place to bring them. We bring them before you, the God of all creation, we bring them before that throne of grace. And Lord, we pray that we have that great awareness of you leading and guiding in all that we may do. We ask these things now in Jesus' loving name. Amen. May you know the richness of God with you throughout this week. And we close just together with the words of benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us this day and forevermore. Amen.